0: Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30, they are the words of Jesus to you and to me, and here they are, Jesus speaking to you, come unto me, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can be seated. I'll tell you a word that is very important and uh, even more elusive in our lives today, and that word is rest. I just love that word. Rest, And i tell you what's even more elusive than the word rest is rest itself. Do you feel like you need rest? Can you identify with what Jesus says that we are, are, are burdened and heavy laden? I do. Um, this morning what I'd like to do is, uh, is talk about this rest that Jesus gives us just from two different angles. And it's a, kind of a beautiful thing that goes together and gives us a picture of what living the Christian life while resting looks like. And those two things are finding rest for your soul and then living in rest. And so let's begin by this idea of coming to Jesus and finding rest. John Piper put it this way. He says, deep soul weariness Sometimes we can point to a significant factor that's made us weary, but often we can't. Our weariness results from the cumulative, multi-layered interactions of life's complexities, our body's frailties, emotional heartbreaks, and sometimes the consequences of our behavior. It all seems to surpass real understanding but we feel it. I get that. This need, this deep need for rest. You know, you can look uh, calm on the outside. Southerners are great at this. Everybody's great at this, not just Southerners. But you could be revving like an indie race car on the inside. You could just be redlining it on the inside. And, and I think there is a lot of churn in the hearts of people today. Don't you think that's true? While we all, you know, got our favorite picture on our profile on Facebook, that's not what's going on inside. And you know, when you need physical rest as well, it's just wearying. Um, Life, kind of modern life, Kind of because of our choices, you know, and cause we just stack one thing on top of another and all kinds of modern life, life's kind of like a big hamster wheel, you know, sometimes it just keeps going and going. And it's faster and faster. Lots of activity, lots of worry, lots of exhaustion, little meaning hamster wheel. Um, our lives to change the metaphor sometimes feel like a, like a conveyor belt that, that never stops. And you know what the problem is? The second shift isn't coming and we're not going to get rest. The second shift's not coming. That's going to be our life because that's the way it is on the conveyor belt. You don't get rest. Our lives begin to feel like that, that episode of, uh, some of you remember this, some of you don't. If you don't, you can go to look at it on YouTube. I did. It's two minutes. That episode of I Love Lucy where she's at the conveyor belt in the chocolate factory. Yeah, yes, a lot of y'all have seen that before. If you don't, just... Type in, I love Lucy, chocolate factory. It is hilarious in a bone-crushing kind of way. <laughs> so so Lucy and her friend Ethel, they get a job in the chocolate factory, and every job that they've tried has failed, and the they're going to give her one more chance. So they're going to put her on the chocolate conveyor belt line, and the lady that's her foreman is fed up with she and Ethel, and uh, she's very, very militaristic, and she says... Okay, here's the line. You stand at the line, and here's what it, it is. The chocolates will come down the line. You pick up the chocolate. You perfectly wrap it in a wrapper. You place the chocolate back on the conveyor belt. It goes down into the next room where the next group of people pack the chocolates wonderfully in a box. And she says, and if you allow one of those chocolates to get to that other room, unwrapped, you're fired. Do you understand me? And Lucy says, I just watched it yesterday. Lucy says, yes, sir. I mean, yes, ma'am. So the conveyor belt starts. And at first, this is really easy, they're thinking. And then you just kind of notice that one chocolate's getting through. between the. Cho- so she grabs the chocolate and she kind of ch- just kind of holds it. And and but the other ones are coming and next thing you know it, this thing is multiplying she's putting chocolate everywhere in her clothes she starts eating chocolate just to keep one from going down the line and she is just frantic and of course she gets fired y'all take the comedy of, out of that that's about our lives sometimes just can't do enough just can't take care of it all. Just, just can't stay ahead of it. Just just need rest. And, and it kind of is a picture of our lives because we not only need rest, but we kind of need for our lives to be a little more meaningful as well. Yes, you and I need physical rest. And that is why there are so many new best-selling books about how to sleep better. Where did that come from? Why we got all these books that are about how to sleep through the night? Because people aren't because of all the stuff on the conveyor belt of their life and all the stuff that's going bump in the night because there's too much but you know what we really need is is soul rest is to be is to be able to rest inside of our hearts inside of our, just, just churning inside all the time is exhausting. It is not a great way to live. And you know, when Jesus said these words back in Matthew chapter 11, he was addressing a real need of soul exhaustion among the people who had come to listen to him. You see, these people were feeling, feeling spiritually exhausted. Because they were so burdened down by the way the scriptures were taught to them by the so-called teachers of the law. It was just, you better do this. God is holy. Here's his law. You better do this. He's not going to like you. He's not going to love you if you do that. And then the Pharisees added. Are you ready for this? Six hundred and twenty laws to the ones that existed in the Bible you, you heard me right 620 and you're supposed to do them all and it just was crushing the souls of people on the spiritual conveyor belt and chocolate was getting through left and right and they were feeling like God was going to fire them never feeling like you can do enough is exhausting Jesus said, you know what you are? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Matthew 23. You, you put horrible burdens on men's backs, these laws, and you, you don't do one thing to relieve their burden. Woe to you, teaching my word that way. Because never feeling like you can do, do enough is exhausting. And, and, and in Jesus' day, people, these people desperately needed rest That comes only from grace. You know sinners, that means you and me. That means people who are selfish by nature. Um, Sinners just lack soul rest without God. There's a reason why the Pharisees were just breaking people down in those days. It's because God is holy. And we, we know, we, we intuit, because God being a, a holy God, a moral God, we see that there is a morality that is transcendent that people just kind of get. We know that there's a holiness above and beyond that, that can set the tone for, for everything that, that should be right in the world but is not. And we can never meet with that holiness, and we just churn. Before a holy God, and Jesus says this to people who churn before a holy God, us sinners, he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I want to give you rest. Real rest. Notice Jesus doesn't offer a spiritual pathway to rest. Jesus doesn't offer a program. Jesus doesn't offer a 10-step solution. Jesus doesn't offer what we would say in today's vernacular, a religion, a prescription. That's just more of the same. That's just more, do this, do this, do this, and then you'll be okay. Then maybe God will like you. Then maybe God will love you. Then maybe you'll get to rest before the face of a holy God. No, what does Jesus offer? Come to me. He offers himself. And this is the whole point. Of Jesus, He is the only person in history that has stepped forward with anything other than do this and you might be okay with God. Practice this religion and maybe you'll be accepted. It is Jesus of Nazareth alone that has stepped forward and said, I will give myself. I will do everything necessary that they are unable to do. I will give this whole thing away, this this whole acceptance by God based on the work of another person, not our work. Boy, we just blow it. when it, we're, the people, we're on the chocolate. The chocolate's getting by us. chocolate didn't get by Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died the death, took our sins that, that we deserve to pay before a holy God already paid. Jesus uttered these words at the end of his crucifixion. It is finished. It is completely paid. It is done. And when we put our trust in Jesus, you know what? We, he takes our sin and we get Nothing but grace, nothing but acceptance, nothing but forever love because of what He has done. When we put our trust in the only person that stepped forward to give us something other than laws, we get rest. We get rest. And it's, an, it's an amazing thing. I, I remember the day when I understood the gospel for the first time. And, and I remember... very clearly because I was in a great state of angst of trying to figure this out of being so broken down and exhausted uh, because of my own sin because I began to understand that God was holy and um, I put my trust in Christ some people in college shared the gospel with me they thought I wasn't listening sometimes y'all think people aren't listening they are put my trust in Christ, I knew immediately because I really understood that Jesus came to substitute for me. It wasn't a matter of me working myself to heaven. It was a matter of what he did, given to me as a gift. I knew immediately that I was forgiven. I knew immediately that he had come into my life. I just knew it. And do you know, I immediately felt a burden lifted off of me. And I rested. It's the first time in my whole life that my soul ever rested before a holy god because god was hugging my soul because god loved me and gave me unconditional love through what christ had done for me through jesus so so there are times now as a believer that uh, i don't know about you maybe maybe you've never put your trust in christ and you're just never going to rest inside till you do but maybe you put your trust in Christ, but you start churning again. See, I, I churn again. I don't know if y'all do that, but sometimes I, I start churning again. And I even felt that way last night as I was trying to uh, to fall asleep. And, and you know, I, I was thinking, good thing I was preaching on this because it was on my mind. Um, good thing I could say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm supposed to be talking to everybody else. I'm, I'm supposed to be the expert talking to everybody else about this. And I'm churning. I can go to Jesus. Jesus, you have done it all. I know that you love me. I know that my security comes from your acceptance based on your work and who you are to me. I did that last night lying down horizontal in my bed because I needed to. I don't know about you, but whether it's lack of rest in your soul because of insecurity or, the, or, or feeling like you can't meet, or, or the ongoing burden of some, some, some bad decision you've made in your life, or something, it's just wearing you out, you can, you can go to Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So I love those words. You know, today there are very, there are many reasons that people kind of churn before God and they're exhausted. In Jesus' day, what's mentioned is the Pharisees and the 620 laws and like the conveyor belt. But you know, for lots of people, it's the irreligious people that are just churning. Everybody's churning. It's sometimes the irreligious people because you know their belief is in no belief in God. If you can't if you can't touch it, see it, smell it, it doesn't exist. This is all there is for them. But see that belief in a secular gospel, so to speak. What that does is that doesn't cut off the God giving longing longings for love. The God-given, given longings for beauty. The God-given longings we have for justice and, and for what's right to happen in this world because it's so wrong. And, and there's just longings in our heart because God has put them there and, and we're never, never able to find anything that's permanent. Anything that's satisfying. And you know why, don't you? Because there's nothing higher than us. And we're fallen. And we're so fallible. And being a secularist is utterly exhausting if you're trying to act out on the longings for such beauty, love, and justice in this world. Sometimes people all around the world right now are trying so hard in their religion... So many religions just give incredibly detailed lists of what must be done to gain God. And before you start saying those poor people in whatever foreign country, I mean the Christian ish people who fall under the rubric of I live in the Bible Belt or something like that, or I'm an American, therefore I'm a Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because what people are thinking is no different from these other religions it's just a different list it's just a different conveyor belt you know if you ask somebody why are you going to heaven and they say because i'm trying to be a good person you know immediately they do not understand the gospel of grace the answer is I shouldn't go to heaven but he has done it all for me and he gave everything to me it is finished and he is mine and heaven is mine and God is mine and peace is mine and rest is mine before the face of a holy God sometimes there are people that just kind of feel like you know I've blown it so badly God doesn't want me anymore I've blown it so badly God doesn't want me anymore so they just kind of give up and let me tell you about that that depression of giving up and yet those longings that God's given us that is utterly exhausting as well so there's people that are exhausted for lots of reasons around us the devotional writer Evelyn Underhill don't really agree with her theology but I appreciate what she said uh con- concerning this she said that we spend our lives focused on three verbs I think this is really good. We spend our lives focused on three verbs, and they are to have, to want, and to do. She said, but the essential verb is to be. To be. The grace of Christ alone gives us the freedom, the courage, the permission, and the blessing to simply be. And be okay, just as being and be accepted and be and 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 beloved of God because of what Christ has done and the barriers have been removed and we belong to him and we can just be loved. Be accepted before his face. The ground of our Christian human life is to be in a state of grace. It is to be in a state of perpetual unbroken unconditional love that's an amazing thing and that is a gift so then maybe if we get that sense of rest and just being with God good job Taylor (laughs) then maybe we can learn how to have to want and to do to live in ways that are meaningful without losing that sense of rest and being. So that's the second thing I want to talk about. It's not just finding rest in Christ. It's how to live in rest with Jesus. Uh, It's more than, than, than just knowing we're his. It's more than just being static. It's more than simply celebrating what we have. This is gaining real rest in our souls, the core of our lives, so we can kind of live out the grace that God's given us. Um, it's a better way of life. And, and Jesus wants to give rest in our faith. In our moving forward. In our obedience. In our active life. He wants to give us rest. And so out of this grace we have, we're going to give. Right? Gift. Grace means gift. So we're we going to give. And we're, gonna, we're not going to lose our rest when we give. Out of this love... We are going to love, and it's going to be sacrificial because that's the nature of love. And we will have to live by faith because we can't see everything that we need to trust God for and to do what is right, and we can't see the outcomes. But we're going to be able to walk with Jesus and continue to be loved, continue to have that defining, that defining security that the grace of God, God brings. This is the second part of our text where Jesus not only says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, I want you to take my yoke. Yokes aren't about rest. Yokes are about work. I'll explain that in a minute. It's like, why would you choose that metaphor if you want to talk about how to live in rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will receive rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've been very attracted to that verse for a long time. I, I'm down for that light burden, aren't y'all? I've, we, sometimes we never quite understand what that means. You know what a yoke is here? It's not the middle of an egg. The, a yoke is a piece of wood. And I I read out of the dictionary, a wooden bar or frame by which two animals, such as oxen, are joined at the head or necks for working together. A yoke is there so that one animal doesn't have to pull the whole load. The yoke brings them together, locks them in together so that the two can pull the load and the load is cut in half by the yoke and the shared torque little physics shared force that the yoke provides Um, when we are pulling alone in our lives in our own strength day after day that that is exactly why believers who get the grace of God are becoming very weary deep inside I mean becoming weary I, I know Even as a pastor, maybe especially as a pastor, I don't know. I know what it means to pull alone. I know what it means to try to do this thing, whatever this thing is, relationally, this thing in ministry, this thing with whatever's going on. I know what it means to try to pull alone. And I'll tell you what I've experienced pulling alone. As somebody that's forgiven by Jesus, it breaks me. And at worst, it makes me bitter because... I fail, and I can't do it alone, and I'm upset. That's no way to live. Your pastor needs counseling, it sounds like. Don't we all? With Jesus, we don't have to feel so inadequate because he loves you. That's the first part of the verse. And you don't pull alone. You know, people, when Jesus talked about this yoke thing, they got it. See, that wasn't a a high-tech culture. That wasn't even an urban culture. That was an agrarian culture. Everybody knew about oxen. Everybody knew about yokes. And everybody went, I got that. You don't have to pull the loon. And uh, and so this was immediately understandable by the people Jesus spoke to. I want to read to you from... A New Testament scholar, farmers used to train young oxen to plow by partnering them with stronger, more mature oxen. So you see the the new, the young oxen and the strong, mature oxen. The job of the younger ox was simply to follow in the same direction and just keep pace with the leader ox. The lead ox pulled most all of the weight and understood the commands of the plow driver. As long as the young ox, listen carefully, this is what they would have understood Jesus to say, as long as the young ox followed the older ox, everything was fine. But if the younger ox decided to speed up or go ahead of the lead ox, the work became much more difficult and they were now pulling it all alone. Same with Jesus. I'll give you rest. Rest in your soul. I'll even help you live where you are not pulling it. All alone, and you will live in a out of a state of a kind of rest. When we are yoked to Christ, we follow him, and y'all, he pulls most all of the weight. Yes, we are active. Yes, we have to live by faith. Yes, we have to step out and love people that might not love us back. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Yes, we need to serve in some gritty situations that we don't want to just because we're willing to sacrifice, just because we're willing to give. And, and, but it is Jesus that will be the power. It is Jesus that if you want a lifetime of service, the only way you'll ever be able to do that is to take his yoke upon you and learn from him and 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 for, because he is the power. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he's the lead ox and he's the son of God, the creator. It's the same kind of thing that you read about in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 is one of those verses that people love the first part but they forget the second part. They they love this part. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. That means it is the power of God. It's God doing the pulling, right? People just leave it right there. And some people say, well, I just kind of sit back and Christ just does it all. That's not what the text says. It says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I have to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So are we actually coming under the yoke with Jesus? Yes, that is a choice we make. I have to live by faith. I get to be a part of this. And yet it is the power of Christ that is doing all of this, this work, all of this, the power to, to make it happen. You know, the yoke of Christ is perfectly fitted to support us It is perfectly fitted for us and aid us to fulfill his purposes for our lives. That's what that yoke is about. That yoke isn't just to make you work like some conveyor belt. That yoke is there to actually help you to actualize in your your faith by walking with Jesus in this state of rest because he loves you and power, the kind of rest because you're not pulling alone. I love what uh, one of the scholars said, under the yoke of grace you can tell this is a very modern person under the yoke of grace i don't have to elevate my worth by how many items are checked off my to do list it's not about that it's about doing what god is leading me to do goes on to say under the yoke of jesus the yoke of grace i do not measure measure my value against other people's expectations not even my own. And I love this next line. Nor am I nor am I full of discontent as I hurry toward a more perfect future version of myself. That is exactly where we are today. We gotta have this perfect Facebook life. We gotta get this done. We've got to show everybody we can do that. Our children have to be perfect, our children have to be we gotta have the bumper sticker. My child is a honor roll student. If you have one of those, I'm not like saying, take it off. I saw one that said, my delinquent child beat up your honor roll student on a bumper sticker and enjoyed it. Nor, do I, nor am I filled with discontent as I hurry toward a more perfect future version of myself under the yoke of grace. I must I rest content with who I am in Christ right now, where I am right now, weaknesses and all, as long as I am walking with Jesus and following close with Jesus. As long as I have offered myself into his yoke so I can follow him into his purposes for my life. It's kind of um, how... Many people thought marriage would be, and I, I, some of our young adults are up here. And I, I remember, I remember when I was a, a, a single person. I remember all the teaching on marriage, and it kind of translated to me like this. I'm sure it wasn't taught this way, but I, it kind of translated in my mind that God, God's got this perfect person for you. Boy, if that's true, Gina, my wife messed up. <laughs> she's in the nursery. I'm really glad during this part of the sermon she's serving in the nursery. Some of y'all are going to say when you pick your baby up, did you really mess up when you married Joseph? Kind of sound like this to me. God has this perfect person for you. And that doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're, they're perfect for you. And, and one day when you marry this perfect person, and then we start thinking in our minds, then we're going to be so loved that it's going to redefine how we feel about ourselves. We're going to be able to accept ourselves, hug ourselves. We're going to be able to say, look, see, I'm loved. See, I'm secure. You get what I'm saying here. And um, in life together, it's just going to be totally meaningful and enjoyable because I'm going to marry the perfect person who's right for me. And the problem is that those same people married other people looking for all that from the other person. It's an interesting situation when sinners marry sinners. And that's not going to work according to your fantasy. Get yourself another fantasy because that one ain't going to work. What is it that counselor called it one time? Two ticks, no dog. this what jesus is saying about his yoke with jesus he is our bridegroom that we come into harness with he is the one who does completely thoroughly love us with a transforming love who does redefine how we view ourselves because of who loves us and how thorough they love us, and they will never remove that love from us—not one nanosecond. Do you know if you have Jesus and if you are in yoke with Jesus, you will never experience. One nanosecond of not being completely loved and accepted. Now, you may not see it. You may not accept it. You may be looking for love in all the wrong places or somewhere else. I, you know, these, these things are voluntary. Take my yoke upon you. You get to, you get, to get in there with Jesus and, 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 and rest in this secure love. And you get to be called into, by your bridegroom, this meaningful life of, of walking with him. And, 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 and we, 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 only, we just gain his purposes as well as his love. We gain his joy as we walk forward with him. It's kind of like how Paul and uh, Peter and James in their epistles all called themselves this weird designation. They all said... I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Whoa, that's kind of a, that's kind of an over the top. Don't get that. Well, it's a play on words. What they're saying is I traded slavery to my sin. I traded slavery to the law, the conveyor belt. I traded all that for the one who loves me, for my bridegroom. It's saying that I am, I am binding myself. I'm indenturing myself. My, that's who I want to be with is all they're saying. But it's so strong, you see, that they're literally identifying it as a new life. A choice of a new way to live in the grace, in the love, in the leadership of Christ, in the purposes of Christ. And in your life today, it's him living through you that others might experience him too. So let me close. You need rest? Real rest? You want a life of meaning as well as rest? Then come unto me. Don't go anywhere else, Jesus says. Don't go to a religious system. Don't go to the laws. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your weary souls. Let's pray. Lord, would you give that soul rest, that inside out rest to somebody today? If you've never put your trust in Christ, maybe you've been trying to work your way to heaven. Maybe you think there's a scale in the judgment of good deeds and bad deeds. Maybe you think that a 78 passes, but now you understand that a 78 won't pass with a holy God. And that's why Jesus alone has stepped forward to pay not for 78% of our sins, but for 100% clearing the barrier away, that we might come into your arms, that we might be accepted fully on the basis of the work of another person, Jesus, that God so loved that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life with him. You can put your trust just simply in what Christ has done for you. He'll come into your life. There are many of us, Lord, and I count myself among them, who still churn, who still want to try to pull alone, who still live more by fear than by grace, Lord, would you lift our eyes to Jesus again? Would you help us to repent, to turn back to him? And Jesus, even now, would you speak to hearts in whatever way you'd like what is true? For those who have, that know you through faith, I love you. There's nothing you can do that will cause me not to love you. I accept you fully. I will always love you. Your highest definition can be my love. You can rest before me, and Lord, in that rest, in the beauty of that, would you give us a desire to come in yoke? with jesus so that we're not simply celebrating something we got but grace becomes giving and love becomes loving lord would you help us to plow the right furrows and would you cause great fruitfulness of grace even through us we pray in jesus name amen